They moved over to Ireland, and now they live in Manchester, Ireland. So let's give them a Northern California welcome as they come to share the word of the Lord. Amen. We're so happy to be here. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Y'all want to sit down? Praise God. It's so good to be here, and we love your pastors very much. Um, they saw something in us. Wow, that is so scary when I think about it. We were just fresh out of Rhema, and um, we were talking about it actually in the car, and behind the scenes, I don't know if we ever told you this, but we met you guys, remember, at that little that church, little whatever that little Rhema meeting was, down in the south part of the Twin Cities. And um, we came home, and I said to Kevin, I felt like the Lord spoke to me and said, you know, this couple is going to call you tomorrow and ask you to come and be their children's pastors, and you need to say yes. And so you have to understand, not only did we not know anything about children's ministry, we didn't even like kids. <laughs> That's the truth. And the so, you truth know, is known. Oh, my goodness. They turned us loose with the children. Ah! But anyway, praise the Lord. You know what? When we give our lives to the Lord, he makes something beautiful out of our lives, doesn't he? he? Does. he does. And we're so very grateful. Anyway, so our connection goes way back then. And we just say thank you, guys. Thank you Thanks for so believing much. in us and being willing just to take us. Hopefully, we did a good job. I don't even remember back then. But anyway, <laughs> praise the Lord. We did our best. Oh, anyway. Yeah, we did. I'm Hallelujah. rambling, so help me out. Why? I think you're doing great. Anyway, actually, um, we're going to just give you just a little brief kind of synopsis about what we're doing over in the U.K. Uh, before we get into the Word tonight. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, as Pastor Mark said, God called us over there a couple years ago. We moved over actually a little over a year and a half ago over to Northern Ireland. Uh, and what we're doing there is establishing Rhema Bible Training Centers in the United Kingdom and Ireland. That's exciting! And so currently we have four campuses going with a total of about 125 students. Uh, we actually just had our graduation um, just in June. Uh, graduated 67 students. Uh, and this is, a, this is a neat thing about that. You know, the United Kingdom is really a place where really the world comes. And so of those 67 students, they represented 17 different nations. Uh, Everything from, uh, gosh, Malawi, Nigeria, I think uh, France, Sweden, Rwanda, Uganda, all the Andes. um, In addition, obviously, to the United Kingdom. So it's just really awesome to see what God is doing there. And uh, our goal is to actually have a total of 10 campuses, at least 10 campuses. We're actually getting ready in January. We're looking to open a campus down in London in January. Currently, we have one in Belfast, Northern Ireland, in uh, Manchester, England, in Coventry, England, and in Aylesbury, England. And now, okay, great. We have Bible school graduates. But the really exciting thing, I mean, that's exciting. This is even more exciting. We are, uh, our goal is to see 100 churches planted by the year 2020. Because, you know, Europe-wide, Europe is very unreached. Less than 4% of the people are born again. And I was sharing this statistic um, with, with Pastor Mark and Brenda today, that for every 27,000 people in Europe, there's one or there's one gospel t- 
teaching church for every 27,000 people in Europe. And so that's, we need more churches. And statistically, the best way to reach people is to plant churches. And statistically, that's true. And so it's really exciting. We've already seen one church planted in Manchester about a year ago. And now we actually had one start this last weekend in Belfast. We've got one starting the beginning of September in Lincoln, England. Uh, and then probably January, one will be starting in Bradford, England. The interesting thing about Bradford is it's 20% Muslim. You've heard of Smith Wigglesworth? That's his hometown. His home that he lived in is actually now owned by a Muslim family. Well, I'm, I'm believing there's some still some anointing in that home. And, uh, you know, the neat thing... They got we, a tiger by Yeah, the we've heard this about uh, uh, Muslims is God is really uh, uh, is coming to them in dreams and visions. and, and they're, So I'm just believing they're going to have a nice little dream in that home. Yeah. Jesus is going to come and just make himself real to them. Amen? Amen. But we're really excited, again, about what God is doing. And uh, God's not done with Europe yet. God's not done with the U.K. And he's not done with America either. Amen. That's right. Greatest days are ahead. You know, one of the things that we like to say about the United Kingdom is, how did we get the gospel here in the United States? It had to come from somewhere. It came from them. And that's, you can look around the world, and you can see how there were, that's where really the missions movement started from that nation. And so they've sent the gospel around the world. So what's that mean? They put seed in the ground. And God's word does not return void, does it? So... They're going to reap a harvest. So we believe revival is coming to that land again. Revival is coming to that nation again. Amen. 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 Yeah, I'm sure. (laughs) But we're gonna, we're gonna. You know, you've seen tag team wrestling where you kind of do that. If you see me run over here and she slaps my hand and she'll jump up and yeah. (laughs) Let's pray, Father. We just thank you so much for your word tonight. Your word is light. It's life to us. It shows us the way to go. And so, Father, we open our hearts and our minds, our lives up to your word tonight. We are a people who are hungry for more of you, hungry for more of your word. Not just for knowledge's sake, but so we can be changed. You've said we can go from faith to faith, and we can go from glory to glory. And so, Father, I thank you tonight. As your word is taught, we are... Have hearing ears, open ears, open hearts, open minds. We are ready to receive. And we are not just hearers of the word, but we are doers of the word. And we are blessed, blessed, blessed in all that we put our hand to. And we thank you and we praise you for it in Jesus' name. Amen, amen. You know, I don't know if if you had this happen. Well, first of all, I have to say this. I love the weather here. Wow. I mean, we've been just kind of soaking up the sun here, getting, you know, because once we go back, it's, okay, we'll move on. Um, <laughs> I remember when I was a little boy in, I don't know, kindergarten, first grade, something like that, they gave us a little Dixie cup of dirt in it, and a little seed, you know, it's usually a bean seed, and you stuck that in the little Dixie cup. I see a lot of you nodding your heads. How many of you remember that? Or maybe your children did it. And you planted that little seed. You stuck it in there. And I don't know about you, but I, I thought, man, I get up in the morning, I'm going to have a full bean plant, you know, and reap my harvest and have beans. But it took a while, didn't it? Yeah. But in that seed that was placed in the ground, 
The harvest was in that seed, wasn't there? The harvest was in that seed. And there is a huge, huge, huge potential in every seed. I was, uh, a couple months ago I saw this and it just, it really, it kind of shocked me. They talked about finding or or getting a hold of some 2,000-year-old seeds. I don't know if they found them in like an Egyptian tomb or something. And they planted these seeds and the seeds grew. 2,000-year-old seed. So that life was still in that seed. What did it need? It just needed to be planted in the right ground. It needed to be tended. It needed to be watched after. So the Word, and we know this, the Word has a lot to say about seed, doesn't it? A lot to say about seed. I want you to open your Bibles to Mark chapter 4. And we're not going to do it tonight, but I would encourage you to read all of Mark chapter 4. That's your assignment. Okay, you know, we teach in Bible school, so we give assignments, so that's your assignment. Don't do it right now, but when you get home or tomorrow morning, read all of Mark chapter 4. But in Mark chapter 4 and verse 3, and I've got the NIV here, and uh, in my Bible it's in red. What's that mean? Jesus said it. So when Jesus says something, what should we do? Listen, we should do it. We should listen to what He said. So in my Bible, in Mark chapter 4, verse 3, the first word with an exclamation point is, listen. Now, if Jesus comes up and says, listen, what should we do? Listen. listen. Why, you got a sharp groove. <laughs> they are, man, they are right there. Wow. Anyway, he says, listen. And in some translations, he says, give attention to this. Or, pay attention. Pay attention. Listen. So... We're all going to listen, aren't we? What do we need to listen for? What he says next. Now, if we were to go down to verse 11, and he talks about the seed here. He talks about the type of soil and the seed and where the the seed fell. Down in verse 11, he says this, He told them the secret of the kingdom of God has been given to you. But to those on the outside, everything is said in parables. So he says, they have been given the secret or the mystery of the kingdom of God. And then down in verse 13. It says, Then Jesus said to them, Don't you understand this parable? How then will you understand any parable? So he says, If you don't get a hold of this, this parable... What do we call that? That's really, we could say, the seed principle. Or how a seed works. If you don't get this, you're not going to get the rest of it. So if you want to understand how the kingdom of God operates, then you need to understand the seed principle. Okay, now, we moved a couple, well, almost two years ago, to a different kingdom, in a sense. We moved to the United Kingdom. The laws of the United Kingdom are just a bit different than the laws of the United States. Now, I used to enjoy hunting, and I had guns, and, you know, living in Arkansas and Minnesota. I mean, that's what, you you know, you hunt. And I could have just gone to the U.K. with all my guns, and as soon as I get off the plane, I'd have been arrested and probably still be in jail. Another big difference, and I'm reminded of this every time I come to the States, we drive on the other side of the road. 
And actually, this was just last, what day was it? It was last Sunday. It was last Sunday. Last Sunday, we were uh, ministering in a church in uh, Pittsburgh, California, not too far from here. I turned off the highway Sunday morning, turned right into the oncoming traffic. Didn't realize it. Not good. Not good. Not good. Yeah, <laughs> it was a good thing it was Sunday. There was an ambulance behind us, so we were ready in case. But, um, you know, one, the other thing is there's a lot of language differences. You know, I've heard it said this, that the United Kingdom and the United States are two countries separated by a common language. And I, I have to tell you this, this is just a funny little story. One of our um, guys that's pastoring a church in Northern Ireland, he attended Rama. He and his wife went to Rama a couple years ago. And Northern Ireland is, man, they've got a language all their own. But uh, he, it was the first weekend they had moved to Tulsa from Northern Ireland. And then they were there the weekend. And then on Monday he gets to school. And he's talking to some people. And they said, oh, David, his name's David. Oh, David, how was your weekend? He goes, oh, man, we had some good crack. Good crack. (laughs) (laughs) And so, eyes were this big. And then he realized, oh, wait a minute. Because crack in Northern Ireland means you had a good time. (laughs) It's like you could. Yeah, drug free. Uh, it just means, yeah, we had a great, we had a great time, a fun time. We had some good crack. It spells C R A I C, so a little different spelling, but not something you'd expect from a Bible school student, is it? So there are some differences. So we've had to learn some terminology and some things you can and can't say, and things you can and can't do. But what is it about? It's about learning how to operate in that kingdom. So what do you have to know? You have to know the rules and the laws and how things work in that kingdom to function effectively. So we can see that this principle is a foundational principle of the kingdom of God. The harvest is already in that seed. We have to understand that seed principle. It's just waiting to be planted, tended, and then the harvest comes in. Now we know the word itself says, this is the seed, isn't it? God's Word is the seed. So we could say this, every word from God, every word of God contains the potential for a huge harvest. The potential is there. The potential for a huge harvest is in that seed. It is in that seed. So when God gives us the seed, now when we talk about the Word of God, we're talking about, obviously, the written Word. But then there are words that God speaks to us. Individual direction for us, because, you know, He doesn't give us necessarily individual specific instruction for what we are to do with our lives. But He does give us the Holy Spirit, doesn't He? And so we're without excuse. We have the Holy Ghost on the inside of us that leads and guides. That's a huge part of His ministry. So God gives us specific words that we are to follow. He gave 
your pastor's award, what, 30 years ago. Yeah. I can remember, you know, you had gone out to Wilmer and pastored out there and then out here to California. And so they were obedient to follow that leading, that word that God gave them. And look, I mean, we're sitting in the middle of part of the harvest right here. So they were obedient with that seed of direction from God. And now we're seeing, and you're seeing, the harvest on that. Okay, I want to look down here, Mark chapter 4. And so Jesus spent a lot of time going over the seed and all these things. Down in verse 35. So Mark 4, 35. It says, That day when evening came, He said to His disciples, Let us go over to the other side. Now what color is that? Red. Red. So Jesus said it, didn't He? Let us go over to the other side. Leaving the crowd behind, they took him along, just as he was in the boat. There were also other boats with him. A furious squall came up. The waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern, that's the back of the boat, sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him and said to him, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? He got up, rebuked the wind, and said to the waves, Quiet, be still. Then the wind died down, and it was completely Calm. He said to his disciples, Why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? They were terrified and asked each other, Who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. So, if we look at these verses in verse 35 through 41, what would you say the seed of the word that Jesus gave them is? We are going to the other side. We are going to the other side. So if Jesus says we're going to the other side, where are we going? The other side. side. So he gave them a seed. We, we, he didn't say me is going to the other side. He said we are going to the other side. All of us, we are going to the other side. You know... One thing that Susan and I decided a long time ago is whatever God told us to do, we already knew the answer. Yes, yes sir. Yeah. Yes, sir. Yeah. It's, Susan likes to call it a pre, what is it, a pre, um, predetermined, predetermined response. In other words, before the question is ever asked, we already know the answer. Yes, sir. No, really, that's what it's like in the military. How many of you were in the military? So if the person of... I see you smiling back there. You know what I'm going to ask, I think. If the sergeant or whoever's above you gives you an order, what's your response? Yes, sir. It's not, well, you know, I really really don't want to get out of bed this morning and do that. (laughs) I'd like to just... Or when they say, okay, it's time for you to go... And we're going to station you over here because we need your ability, your talent, and your gift over here. You say, well, you know, I'd really prefer not to move over there. I really kind of like it here. Wrong answer. It's, yes, sir. Yes, sir. 
You know, we talk a lot about the family of God, don't we? You know that, remember that old song? I'm so glad. I, I don't sing. I should probably have Susan. You know, we're a part of the family of God and hugs and kisses and loves. And but you know, there's another song that says, God's got an army marching through. So which is it? Is it family or is it army? It's both. It's both. There's those times when we're just, oh, we love. and But then there's a time it's like, okay, get your weapon. It's, we're in the army now, and I need you here, and I need you here, and you need to be over here. So he gave the disciples the seed of this word. We are going to the other side. We're going to the other side. Now, what was their response when Jesus said, we're going to the other side? I can just imagine it. Oh, yeah. We're going to the other side. Yeah, we're with Jesus. I'm sure they were all fighting to, to, to see who could be up in the front of the boat, you know. Until that storm came up. And what did they do? I'm sure they went from the front of the boat. It's like, and it's so polite here in the word. It's like they went up to Jesus. Excuse me, Jesus. Could you? I can imagine him running, screaming to the back. "Ah, Jesus, I'm drowning. What are you going to do? So what should Jesus have been doing? What was he doing? What should he have been doing? Sleeping. What should the disciples have been doing? Speaking to the storm. He had given them everything they needed to take care of that storm. But what did the disciples do instead of taking care of it? They freaked out. And so what did they do? They went back and they woke Jesus up. Out of what he was supposed to be doing, which was sleeping, so that he had to step out of what he was supposed to be doing and take care of something that they were supposed to be doing. So he had given them that seed of the word of we're going to the other side. So they were going where? To the other side. He gave them that seed. So that seed was planted on the inside of them. But Jesus talked about the different kinds of ground. So what kind of ground would you say that seed was planted on? What do you think? If you were to look back there, I think you'd see is probably what the Word calls stony ground. Stony ground. Because what did they do? They got offended with Jesus for not taking care of the storm. So they got offended with Him about something that they should have been taking care of. They got offended with Him for not doing something that they should have done. They, when they heard that word of we're going to the other side, and they took that word And they said, yes, we're going to the other side. They became responsible for that word. What's that responsibility called? Stewardship. Stewardship. They were to be stewards of that word that they heard. Now, 
When we talk about stewardship, we're talking about producing a return. That's right. God always, always, no matter what the word is, He always expects a return on the word that was sown. That's right. He always expects a return. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You think about it. You go back to the garden. Go back to the garden. What did God tell Adam and Eve to do? Be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth. So what was that place that he put them in? What was that called? The Garden of Eden. But then when he cast them out of the garden, that tells us right there that there was limits to the garden, doesn't it? So when he told them to go and multiply and replenish the earth, what was he saying? He was saying, I want my kingdom to expand and fill the earth. And what did they do? They blew it. Does God's plan change? No. Has his plan changed from that day to this day? No. It always is expansion of his kingdom. It's always about expansion of his kingdom. And so the word, the seed of the word planted in the heart of man is there to see his kingdom expand. Right. Yeah. Good. The seed planted in the heart of man is always there to see his kingdom expand. It's all about fruit. It's all about multiplication. It's all about expansion. It always has been and it always Will be. So if we look back then at the garden, what would you say man's sin was? I would say it's this. He did not, and, or he was not a good steward of that seed that God had given him. Right. He didn't exercise stewardship over that seed. So Jesus received a word from God. Because he said, I don't really say anything, but that the Father, you know... I'm listening to the Father and whatever He says. I'm just basically repeating what He says. So the Father says to Him, go to the other side. And so Jesus says what? We are going to the other side. And so, could He accomplish that word by Himself? No. It says there, He took the disciples and there were other little boats. So... There was a hole. It was like a little armada there. They were going across to the other side of the lake. So the storm comes up. The storm comes up. Is it just around Jesus' boat? No. No, it's, it's affecting all the boats. And so that whole deal there was waiting for the disciples to do what they were supposed to do. Because it affected the whole group of them. And so what did they do? They forgot They forgot the word from God of, we're going to the other side. Yeah. And they started just freaking out. Oh, what are we going to do? So it took the whole group that was God's plan to accomplish getting to the other side. Yeah. But the disciples stepped out of their what they were anointed to do, what they were called to do, what they were supposed to do. And then Jesus had to step in 
and make up the difference. So what am I saying? That word from God, that word that God gave your pastors for this house, for this church, it takes more than them to see that word come to pass. Now, I'm not necessarily familiar with everything about the vision that God gave you. And that's really, in a sense, irrelevant because the principle is the same. It takes everyone doing their part. God put gifts, talents, abilities in a seed form on the inside of us. And now it's up to us to say, I'm going to be a good steward of that seed that you put in me. I'm going to steward that seed. In other words, I'm going to tend it. I'm going to water it. I'm going to see it produce fruit and see it produce a harvest. Susan, you jump in whenever you... Yeah, yeah, why don't you jump in now? (laughs) I've got some other stuff too. Sitting on a tear your kingdom down. I'll sit down over here. Praise the Lord. You know, um, there's... um, you know, the Lord speaks to me so much in times of prayer. And um, if we could maybe put in a nutshell what Kevin is ministering on, we could say it's really the mandate. You know, when God gives vision, when he imparts vision to you, when he imparted vision to your pastors, we could say he gave them a mandate. He entrusted them with part of, you know, the whole vision, which is to make disciples of all nations. And he entrusts parts of that mandate to different individuals. It's something, there's an anointing that they carry. And they carry, and I'm going to tell you, when when they carry something, as leaders of a church, you carry it. You carry it. And it's called the mandate. And of course, you know well that the Rhema graduates, they came up under the ministry. And I know Pastor Mark the, this morning mentioned in the 11 o'clock service how he was listening this morning to his father in the faith, Brother Hagen. And so Brother Hagen was given a mandate. But through that, through that mandate, when he received that mandate to go teach my people faith and to help usher in the return of the Lord, that was the mandate on his life. Then the Lord gave him the strategy on how to do it. And he said, you're going to start a Bible school. Now, listen to me, just where we're going with this. Because every time God gives a word, there is a strategy to accomplish the word. There's, there's always strategy. God's very strategic in what he does. And so your pastors not only receive the mandate... They receive the instruction that gives the how-tos, how we're going to do it, right? Because there is a way to accomplish it. Not just any way, but there's a way, the way to accomplish the mandate God has given to this house to reach You know, San Francisco, the Bay Area to reach into parts of the nation and to reach to the world because your reach goes to the world. All right. So can we look at just a couple other scriptures here really quickly? All right. Let's look at praise the Lord. Where do we want to go? 
Let's look at John chapter four real quickly, just a couple scriptures and Kevin will probably jump up here. But the Lord, when I was in prayer, he spoke to me about the mandate. He was speaking to me actually the whole last year. He's been speaking to me about the mandate. And he said this to me, you cannot be mandate minded and me minded at the same time. I'm going to say that again. You cannot be mandate minded and me minded at the same time. If you're mandate minded, you will absolutely have this approach. All hands on deck, no matter what has to happen, no matter what I have to sacrifice, no matter what I have to do. Whether it falls in my job description or falls out of my job description, I'm going to do it because it's all about the mandate. If you're me-minded, then you won't be mandate-minded. And in fact, without even realizing it, you'll work against the mandate. And you'll say, but I want this, but I want it to be like this. But this makes me, oh, when they're doing that, makes that, that makes me uncomfortable. You know what? When the, when the disciples encountered that storm, they were very, very uncomfortable. But it didn't change the mandate. There was an anointing on them to carry out the mandate, but it required them to operate and function in their grace by faith. And when God gives a mandate on a company, he gives grace, which is supernatural empowerment to accomplish the mandate. We're grace to do the impossible. And in fact, we're grace to be stretched to do what's uncomfortable. The very essence of uh, fulfilling the mandate is that it's going to take us from where we are to where God wants us to be. And that's going to, that's going to require everybody say require. It's going to require that we change. All right. John chapter four. Are you there? Praise the Lord. Say I'm mandate minded, not me minded. In verse 34, man, this was Jesus. This is how he lived. And it says this, Jesus said unto them, my meat is to do the will of him that sent me and to finish his work. What's been started here? Is absolutely amazing, but you're not finished yet. And it's not about starting and it's not even about getting out of the gate. And it's not even about going around one corner or around two corners. It's about finishing. And I was just so excited this morning when your pastor was sharing the word, because you know, what's in them finish. There's a grace on them to finish. And if there's a grace on them to finish, there's a grace on you to finish. But it's going to take us corporately being mandate minded. And that means that when we're talking, not just about this is where we're headed, getting to where we're headed, but even how to, how we're going to get there. How is it, Lord? 
How does it look? What's it going to require of me? And I will tell you, it's going to require that we walk by faith, that we change. And that we flow with the changes so that we can get where it is that God has us going. So Jesus said, my meat is to do the will of him that sent me and to finish his work. Turn over to Mark chapter. Mark chapter. Three. Mark chapter three. Aren't you glad you came? You get to hear about the mandate. I think it's so awesome that God has called us. That God made us partners in his work. I mean, if you were God, would you have done that? I wouldn't have. He saved the best to last. You're here in this time and in this hour because God believes in you. Because he knows that you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. You can. There is no mountain that cannot be removed. There is nothing that is insurmountable. There is nothing that you cannot do. Any stretch that's required, you can stretch. You can change. You can adapt. Your focus can get refocused. Praise the Lord. Mark chapter three and verse 35. I love this. Jesus said again, for whosoever shall do the will of God. The same as my brother, my sister and my mother. I'm telling you, it's all about the mandate. It's all about the mandate. What is the mandate doing the will of the father? Not my will turn over to Matthew chapter 26. Can we turn there? I love this because to every mandate, God has a strategy or we could say the way to get the job done. And you know what? This is what's amazing. Remember in Isaiah, it says God's ways are higher than our ways and his thoughts are higher than our thoughts. But thank God we've been born again. We've been given the spirit so that we can get God's thoughts and we can get God's heart and we can cooperate with him. He'll show us how we're to do it. If we'll seek him for it. All right. So Matthew chapter 26. And remember when Jesus was in the garden of Gethsemane and I'm going to read from the message. He said in verse 39, going a little ahead, he fell on his face praying, my father, if there is any way, get me out of this, but please not what I want um, you. What do you want? When we talk about mandate, I'm telling you, that needs to be what we say, Lord, it's not about me and what I want. When God called us to Arkansas to leave uh, Pastor Mac and Lynn in that church, man, we love them. They're our pastors to this day. And when God called us to go to Arkansas, I'm like, what? What? And I had to be honest with the Lord. And I said, Lord, I don't want to. And I said, I know. I know you know that I will. Because I told him that. And when I told him that, I meant it. 
But it's like, Lord, I need help get in from step A where I am over here to B. Over here to point B. I'm needing some help along the way. And you know what? We made that move by the grace of God and we did what the Lord commanded us to do there. And man, we're now hunkering down. Everything's going great. We're loving it. The church is growing. There's great momentum. And he does it again. And he says, Europe needs you. I'm like, what? Can we do that from here? Because we kind of been doing that. But you know, in my heart, he knew. And I tell people, we're not there because we're anything special. I believe with all my heart, it's just because he knew we'd say yes. Quite honestly, he can anoint whoever he wants. And it is all about the anointing. When you say yes, the anointing comes on you to do what you need to do to do the impossible. And for you to do it his way. And so it is all about the mandate. There's such a mandate on you. There are people that are waiting to hear the message. There are areas of the city that need to be reached. There is much work yet to be done. And it's not just a little catchphrase. The best is yet to come. It's really true. But you have to say yes to the mandate. You have to get in your place. And I'll say without apologies, it's going to require something of you. Little stretching here, little stretching there, little walking in love here, little more walking in love there, little, but I kind of wanted this and oh, but well, I thought, I thought this is how it was going to, and oh, you mean, no, I'm, I can't be, I'm maybe not going to be used quite that way. It's all about you. Mandate minded or me minded. Are we going to get in the boat? Because it's all about getting in the boat and doing it his way to fulfill the mandate at any cost. It's the mandate at any cost. It's the mandate. Amen. Praise the Lord. Whoops. So what that means is when the pastor comes and says, we're going to change this and everyone goes, Oh, we love change. Oh, pastor, yeah, we love change. We love change. As long as it's changing that over there and that over there and that. But when it, well, no, actually it involves you. Well, I don't like change, no. Now, we know God never changes, but guess what? We do. We do. Let me tell you this. Susan and I are all about the local church. The local church is God's plan to reach the world. Period. Over. Out. That's true. I want to read you uh, a scripture here. You know, if we look back in, in Mark and... Actually, Susan, can I use your Bible real quick? Because I want to, I want to read it from the Amplified here. You know, if we look back at Mark and it talked about little ships, they were all part of that group. And so I think we could say it this way: God has a little ship for you. It's part of this 
big group that's moving called this local church, Heart of the Bay. He has a little ship for you. 1 Timothy chapter 3. That's 2 Timothy. 1 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 15. And actually, um, Pastor Mark, you kind of mentioned about the pillars and the things in the church. And this is kind of along those lines, but I'm going to hit it just a bit different. And this is what Paul said, and he was saying this um, to Timothy in 1 Timothy 3.15. He says, If I am detained, you may know how people ought to conduct themselves in the household of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and stay, the prop and support of the truth. So we read that and we go, yeah, yeah. Ah, great. And what's it mean? You remember the story of Samson when he was there? And what was his final great thing that he did? He pushed over what? The pillars. The pillars. Now, buildings back then, there would have been a couple pillars here if this building was like that that would have supported that entire building. And if those pillars went over, the entire building would collapse. And that's what Samson did. So the word here says that the church is the pillar and stay or the prop and support of the truth. Now, I've heard people say this before. I've had people say this to me. Oh, I love God. I just don't really like the church. (laughs) I love God, though, but I'm just not a church person. You know what that's like? That's like saying, yeah, man, I love my wife. Can't stand her body. How far would that get you? (laughs) You cannot say, I love God and not love his body. You can say you love God, but it's not true. If you don't love his body, which is the church, you can't love God. And it says here that the church is the pillar and the stay, the prop and support of the truth. And I know you'll agree with this because I've ta- every pastor I've talked to, I saw it myself, people that disconnect from the church, the local church, what happens to their life? It collapses. And so it's very clear. God has a local church for every believer. And guess what? Another little nugget for you. We don't decide where we go to church. We discover where we're to be. We discover where we're to be. So... God places gifts and talents and abilities and things on the inside of you that then they are in seed form. So that seed needs to be planted. So where's the best place to plant it? Where's the best ground? The local church that He's called you to be a part of. The local church He has called you to be a part of. And then you put that seed in the ground in that local church. You start doing what God tells you to do. And you might say, well, I don't know. I don't know what God has for me. Do something. Do something. I'm going to finish up with this scripture. You know, Christianity. Christianity is not a spectator sport. No, it isn't. It is not a spectator sport. There are no cheerleaders. Well, no. Wait a minute. 
There are cheerleaders in the kingdom of God. How many of you would like to be a cheerleader in God's kingdom? Okay, only there's only one thing you have to do to be a cheerleader. Die. Because the only cheerleaders are in the grandstand of heaven, and they're cheering us on. So, how many of you now want to be a cheerleader? Well, I've still got a few here. I will. I'm sure we can find someone that would take care of that for you. But, but God didn't make cheerleaders on this earth. What did He make? People who are ready to get in the game. To be an active part, to get in the game. You know, it's fun to obey God. It is, it is fun. And I will ask you a question here, and, and you can raise your hand if you would agree with this. How many of you... When you start doing something in the kingdom of God through the local church, you have experienced a joy in your life that you've never experienced anywhere else. Look at all the hands going up. I tell you what, there's something about being in the church that God called you to and doing what He called you to do. And you will experience a joy that you never experienced before. Romans chapter 12. Do you need your Bible back? Do you have something else you want to share? Yeah, I do. Okay. I just wanted to say real quickly that you need to remember or you need to be aware that um, the part that you have, um, what's the easiest way to say this? Probably the way Lois would say it, but um, the church was not made for you. You were made for the church. And so the vision that you have on the inside, you know, those gifts and talents that Kevin's talking about Mm -hmm. tonight, it's not like God's given you these separate from a local church, but he gifted you because the Bible says he's called you into the body and he's placed you as he sees fit. That means the gifts and callings in you fit into that local body that he's called you to. That's the whole reason you are the way you are. It's not that the church would cater to you. It's that you would fit into the mandate and the vision of the church. And if we don't understand that, then we're always running looking for a church where we're going to fit. Or we could say that's going to do things the way we want. But it's not about that. It's about finding where we belong. We get in the boat to go to the other side. We stay in the boat till we get to the other side. If you're not to the other side, it's not time to get out of the boat. And your gifts and the things in you that were placed in you are to contribute to that boat getting to the other side. Mm-hmm. All right? Mm-hmm. Okay, Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12. Don't you feel like, don't you feel like we're just like hitting our stride now? Don't you feel that? You know, I mean, the world says, oh, you guys are getting close to retirement. (laughs) I love what you said this morning. It's like, no way. And that's what, that's what Susan and I have said. We're never retiring. How do you retire from the call of God? (laughs) You don't. You don't. I'm just starting to sort of kind of get this figured out. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I don't know if I'm a slow learner or what, but Romans chapter 12, verse 3. 
And in the Amplified it says this, For by the grace, unmerited favor of God given to me, I warn everyone among you not to estimate and think of himself more highly than he ought, not to have an exaggerated opinion of his own importance, but to rate his ability with sober judgment, each according to the degree of faith apportioned by God to him. For as in one physical body we have many parts, organs, members, and all of these parts do not have the same function or use. So we, numerous as we are, are one body in Christ, and individually we are parts one of another, mutually dependent on one another, having gifts, faculties, talents, qualities that differ according to the grace given us, let us use them. Those last four words, let us use them. So God has placed something on the inside of you that the body of Christ, generally speaking, and the local body of Christ, the local church needs. You remember back in Mark 4, what did Jesus have to do? He had to step in and pick up the slack because a part of the body wasn't giving its supply. And so I see too many pastors that have to run around and do too many things and have to step out of what God has them to do because they have to pick up the slack. I see too many members of the body of Christ having to step in and take care of too many things because people aren't stepping up with their gifts and their supply. And it slows down the progress of the kingdom of God. It slows down that expansion. And God's all about expansion, isn't He? So He's given us these things for a reason to use them. So let's all say that together. Let us use them. Let us use them. Now you may be sitting here and saying, sounds wonderful, but I just don't know what that gift is on the inside. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. You got to start somewhere. And this is what I always tell people. Just do something. I mean, if it's coming and, you know, greeting people at the front door, cleaning the building, helping in children's ministry, you might start out in children's ministry and go, boy, this isn't it. Well, try something else. You know, and Susan said, when, we, when, when you asked us about that, we went, well, you know what? We don't know anything about children's ministry, but this is what they told us at Rama. Put your hand to the plow. You may not do that for the rest of your life, and we didn't. We did it for quite a few years, actually, quite a few. But we did something. And that's what God is looking for. He's looking for us just to do something. It's a lot easier to steer a car that's moving, isn't it? You remember when you were a kid and you sat there and went, and you didn't go anywhere, but you turned the wheel. But I I still kind of drive like that, don't I? So I say just get moving, do something, and then let God lead you. And He'll get you in the right place, doing the right thing that's going to use your gifts and your talents. Can I have you all stand? I just want to pray for you tonight. Thank you, Father.
Hallelujah.